Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekrutman. My name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. David, we've been dealing with some heavy, heavy stuff the past couple days. It's Eldad and Maidad in the Holy Spirit. This is not simple stuff. We're talking about unpacking ambiguous texts, words that don't mean anything as far as we can see, and trying to take four verses to unpack and unfold an entire episode that has tremendous repercussions. We're trying to uncover the heavenly Torah with our canonized text. That's what we're trying to do, Scott. I guess that's a good thing. Yes. So let's talk about what we said last time. Last time, you suggested that Eldad and Medad's prophecy, and we know it's some prophecy, we don't know what it is, was that Moses will die in the desert and Joshua will lead the people into the land of Israel. And that indeed is what happens. But at this point, nobody in Israel knows that. Nobody knows that they themselves are not going to go into the land for 40 years. As far as they know, entering the land is in the immediate future. To hear that Moses isn't going to be joining them, that would be a very disturbing prophecy. That is correct. And we proved within the context of the verses that everything unfolding afterwards and a little bit of the story prior to Eldad and Medad is you're seeing Moses' leadership slowly dwindling, the internal dynamics of his family life, the rebellion of another family member, the eventual hitting of a rock that ends up saying, hey, Moses, you're not going to lead the nation of Israel into the promised land. And of course, leadership is always predicated upon the people accepting that leader. That's a classic Jewish idea. The fact that the people themselves are now protesting Moses' leadership gives credence to the idea that his leadership, for things that have nothing to do with him, is beginning to erode. The people don't want him anymore necessarily, and perhaps very tragically. So remember that the prophecy stated, according to our understanding and the engagement of the Word of God, is that Moses will die and Joshua would lead the people into the promised land. David, it makes a lot of sense when you look at the context of the verse immediately. Right now we're talking about the macro context of the book of Numbers. But if you look at these four verses on their own, that's also a place where we can see these ideas implied because of the ambiguities that we had mentioned before. Let's discuss the characters of the Eldad and Medad story. There are five people here. There are Eldad and Medad. We have Moses. And then we have Joshua. And finally, the ambiguous Na'ar, young man, child, whatever it is exactly. There are five people. Let's just recap the story for a moment. Eldad and Medad continue to prophesy after the 70 elders have been appointed. Whether they're part of the 70 elders or not is a different question, which we're not going to deal with now. Then the young man, the Na'ar, runs to tell Moses about this. The rat. The rat. The rat. Then Joshua says, Moses... Kla'em, which probably means something like lock them up, stop them. Clearly, he's not happy with it because Moses responds, are you jealous or zealous on my behalf? If only all the people would prophesy and have the Spirit upon them. So my argument in saying that the prophecy could be that Moses will not lead the nation of Israel into the promised land and Joshua would is the mere fact that this character Joshua is mentioned in the story of our canonized text. And we also have the idea of the Na'ar. We have a tradition that this Na'ar, this young man, who obviously wasn't Joshua, he's elsewhere called a Na'ar, but in this case, it's clearly a different person. The Na'ar was actually Moses' son, Gershom. That's according to Jewish tradition, who is this young man? So we have the honor of someone's father, the honor of someone's Rebbe. 
Exactly. And what's interesting is there's only one person who isn't upset about this, and that's Moses himself. Moses is the only one who accepts this with equanimity. He says, don't be jealous. If people are prophesying, that's a good thing. That's the height of selflessness, taking yourself out of it, hearing the worst news you could imagine. Moses, we know from the rest of the Bible, desperately wants to go into the Holy Land. And yet here, being told he's going to die without seeing the Holy Land, his attitude is, but look, people are prophesying. The Holy Spirit is resting upon the Jewish people. How can I complain about that? So we now have some inference in the biblical text to interpret that the possible prophecy of Eldad and Medad was Moses was going to die and Joshua was going to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. And an interesting final point before we close for today is we're talking about the unraveling of Moses' leadership. Leadership is a very specific thing. And as we mentioned a few episodes ago, Moses didn't want this leadership. Leadership is something which was foisted upon him by God against his will. Moses' failure, so to speak, of leadership is not a failure in Moses. We see at this moment that not being a leader does not mean that Moses was, God forbid, a failure as a person. We see the heights of both his humility and his love for Israel in the fact that in hearing the worst possible news of his life, he nonetheless is happy because it includes a nugget which he loves, the fact that people have the Holy Spirit resting upon them. That's what he focuses on. Exactly, Scott. My name is David Nekrutman. My name is Scott Kahn. And blessings from Jerusalem. Jerusalem.